0: Hello, friends. First things first, are you a veteran in crisis or concerned about one? Um, If so, you can connect with the Veterans Crisis Line to reach caring, qualified responders with the Department of Veteran Affairs. Many of them are veterans themselves. You can connect with the responder by calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1. You can also text 838-255. Also, you can visit the Veterans Crisis Line website at VeteransCrisisLine.net to chat with a responder. The Veterans Crisis Line is a confidential, secure resource. It is your choice whether or not you choose to share your personal information. All right. And on with the show. Friends, welcome to Off The Beaten Podcast. I'm your host, Dion, and this is the podcast about Chicago and the amazing people that make this city unique. Uh, But today we're actually going to be talking about a place thousands of miles away. So if you're like me, a veteran, there's a great likelihood that the past week, even the past two weeks have been an emotional roller coaster. First, let me say that it is totally okay to admit that. Second, you're not alone, brothers and sisters. If you don't have anyone else to chat with or vent to, please reach out to me. I got your six. For me, the past week has been that roller coaster. Uh, I started at sad, went clear past angry to pissed, to frustrated, and back to sad again. Those of you who are faithful listeners know that I spent nine months in Afghanistan back in 2008. I spent most of my time in the Illinois Army National Guard avoiding deployment to the theater of war, not through any action on my own part, but by sheer luck. When I finally was deployed, I had no desire of being a hero, of having any stories, winning any medals, ribbons, or any of that shit. In fact, I injured myself doing training. I now know many years later that I fractured my hip, but at the time, I just knew it was a hardcore pain that sometimes uh, led my leg to go numb uh, uh, because of the injury. I was actually promised a desk job and wouldn't have to leave the fob, and I was totally down for that. I wouldn't have to leave the base, no shenanigans, no tomfoolery. And uh, I I was, I was, hey, I was down for that. (laughs) In reality, I never got my desk job, but I got the next best thing—a job sitting in a truck watching a gate, fob security—and that worked for me too. But before I knew it, I found myself on two combat teams: the police mentor team or the PMT, and the embedded tactical team or ETT. The PMT worked with the Afghan police, and the ETT worked with the Afghan National Army. Because of my injury, I couldn't be a dismount in our vehicle and our truck, originally a Humvee and later one of those huge MRAP vehicles they call a Cougar. So that left two jobs for me, driver or gunner. I drove once, and I thought I'd have a heart attack long before I ever hit an IED. (laughs) It was like every bump we hit and like, I was just like shaking like a leaf the whole time, you know? And then like, you're in the truck so tight because of all your equipment, like you can't like move. It's just a wheel. It it was ridiculous. I was like, fuck this. (laughs) I'm a heart attack on these days. So, um, I didn't trust anyone to protect me. Right. So I became a gunner and that was that we left the base a lot. I remember leaving the base no less than three times on Christmas uh, to get mail from PRT Sharana, which was up the road. For those of you who are fans of the podcast Serial, you might remember PRT Sharana. It was the base that Bo Bergdahl was attempting to walk to when he left his cop. My one regret... um, is that I didn't take my time in the Army more seriously. I ended up getting a field promotion from specialist to sergeant while deployed because I refused to go to the basic leaders course or BLC in the years beforehand. My time in Afghanistan was the first time I felt like a self-actualized version of myself of sorts. But you didn't really have a choice, right? You, You were talking life and death every day. I embraced it. I did my thing. I did get some awards and some ribbons, earned some stories, and came home with all the baggage that war veterans come home with. And for those of you impressed by such things, I did get my cab. I've obviously been thinking a lot about Afghanistan over the past few days. While deployed, um, I chose to spend a lot of time with the Afghans. At the time, I was still preparing to live a life as an academic. I actually took a year off of school for my deployment and had plans to finish my bachelor's in social sciences when I returned, which I did. Go Xavier (laughs) Writes. So uh, I learned as much as I could about the country. I read books, I watched documentaries, I learned about the Mujahideen and the eventual birth of the Taliban. I learned about Ahmad Shah Massoud, uh, the Lion of Panjir and the Northern Alliance. I literally had the opportunity to talk to men who knew him personally and served under him. I would sit and talk with the Afghan soldiers who knew English, and I would sit with the interpreters with the ones who didn't. And we would drink chai, and we would, uh, you know, snack, and we would chat. I can't say enough how invaluable the interpreters were to our safety and security in Afghanistan. They, they would ear hustle for us. Uh, they would let us know when things weren't right. Uh, literally, in many circumstances, they were our eyes and ears. They knew working for the U.S. Army was a death sentence, And in many cases, risk the lives of themselves and their families for money, uh, but also for the promise of a visa to the United States. And for years, I've been a vocal advocate that we've done our allies, namely the interpreters, the ones I worked with, you know, uh, wrong uh, for so many years. Too few visas, too slow of a process, no plans to make good on our promises. But now, um, sad isn't even a good enough word. It horrifies me to think uh, that the men who helped keep me safe might not have made it out or might not make it out of Afghanistan. I was listening to the uh, podcast post reports recently. I was listening, It was like yesterday, day before yesterday. It, it's a great podcast. I highly recommend it. It takes big news stories and breaks them down in a small, bite-sized chunks, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. (laughs) But an expert on there estimated that there could be anywhere from 60 to 90,000 Afghans, including families, you know, including family members who are eligible for a special immigrant visa or an SIV. So to also put, you know, I did a little research to put in perspective on July 30th of 2021. The Emergency Security Supplemental Appropriations Act, I have to say that four times fast, authorized 8,000 SIVs, right, visas, for Afghan principal applicants. And for that would bring it to a total of 34,500 visas allocated since December 19th of 2014. Do the math. I will say that I'm not angry that we're leaving Afghanistan, but how we're leaving. Um, I'm no great military strategist or 12-star general, but the experts have obviously done a bang-up job up to this point, so allow me to throw my cards on the table. We should have negotiated our withdrawal in conjunction or alongside the Afghan government, even if that simply meant negotiating a smooth transition of power from one government to another. What we did instead was leave a gaping hole of instability. To paraphrase a friend, we have failed Afghans who built their lives, assuming a particular type of future that we promised, as well as all the soldiers and diplomats from the U.S. and our allies who gave so much to try to make good on those promises. To continue and directly quote the exact same person, uh, Valerie Morkiewicz, there is an ethics to ending wars as there is to starting and fighting them. And it sadly looks like the planners in Washington weren't looking that seriously as they thought about how to exit, end quote. Um, Also, this is a great opportunity for me to say thank you, Valerie, uh, for always smiling, always being amazing, and continuing to this day to teach me things. I had no idea how valuable your just war class would end up being in my life. I absolutely appreciate you. Also, as a side note, Valerie is the author of Realist Ethics, Just Swore Traditions as Power Politics. I encourage you to go to bookshop.org and buy it. Um, there'll be a link in the episode notes. All right. Uh, sometimes I should definitely, uh, Valerie was a teacher of mine in college. I should share some stories. She uh, was amazing. I loved her class. And the way we met was one of the funniest stories I ever had leaving college. So I might drop that sometime. <laughs> okay. So I'll put a link in episode notes, cop that. So we are now staring down a humanitarian crisis and in the midst of an ongoing global pandemic, no less. To quote a statement from the United Nations, we are entering a deadlier and more destructive phase of this war. The Taliban have already assassinated a top media official and they're taking a Kabul as well as blew up a statue of a former enemy, Abdul Ali Mazari a Shiite militia leader who was killed by the Taliban in 1996. I don't really need to go over their reputation of how they treat women. Women in Kabul have already started shutting themselves into their homes in fear. People have literally attempted to tie themselves to planes to escape. Imagine how desperate you would have to be to even consider that a viable option. It makes me sad that after all that has been done and all we've endured, this is what it comes to. What did you sacrifice in the Afghan conflict? Please slide into my DMs and let me know. Email me. You can call me. All that information is in episode notes. All that info is down there. Please let me know. What did you sacrifice in the Afghan conflict? I want to hear. I want to know. I care if no one else does. I'm sad that it feels like we are leaving our allies alone to flap in the wind to protect themselves and to take the full force of whatever happens once the last American helicopter has left uh, from Kabul. It just feels shitty to me. What kind of person rides off into the sunset while looking into the rearview mirror and watching the allies getting their asses kicked? I was raised on a very simple maxim. We came together, we lead together. But not today, I guess. But what does it say of our character and why would anyone rock with us in the future? Mistakes were made in Afghanistan long before I was even born and have continued to be made um, to this day. And as we move further from the start, the better we can see all the mistakes that were made in the past uh, that culminate in this moment. Just for a quick note, you know, people are are pointing fingers to Trump. People are pointing fingers to Biden. But no, no, no. We've got five, maybe even six administrations we can blame for all this craziness, right? So please, let's just leave it all aside, man. Just the finger pointing does no one any good, right? I mean, fuck it. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't help and... And finding a greater truth of what could we have done better? What do we need to do still? Right? Ugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just this morning, oh, no, 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 no. I saw yesterday, yesterday morning, I saw a news article um, that caught my eye. It was a, a new northern alliance is apparently forming in the Afghans' Panjir Valley um, headed by the former first vice president in Afghanistan. Um, I'm gonna mispronounce this one. Amrullah Saleh and Ahmed Massoud, the son of Ahmed Shah Massoud, who was, uh, A.K.A. the Lion of Panjir, who was the former leader of the previous Northern Alliance. If you're not familiar with the Northern Alliance, Google it, look it up. There's documentaries, there are books. You know, um, they were a a a conglomerate force. Uh, who stood against the Taliban, right? Um, when I was in Afghanistan uh, in the Paktika province, at the beginning of my deployment, the area was fairly Western friendly. Um, that was because it was a part of the kind of area holding of the Northern Alliance, right? The Taliban had a, a, a stronghold of the south of the, of the country. The Northern Alliance held you know, portions of the north um, and they were Western friendly. You can find quotes, um, even video of Ahmad Shah Massoud talking about democracy and bringing democratic ideals to afghanistan right back back years ago uh, so look them up it's very interesting um, and so it goes uh, the panjir valley has remained one region of the country that the taliban has has not at least up to my knowledge ever been able to really take hold of so we shall see and we're left with so many questions right what happens if the taliban begins committing atrocities we just sit and watch because we don't have the national will to go back in and help support. Mm. Do we do business with them if they become the government of Afghanistan? Or do we continue recognizing the, the failed government <laughs> since it does have at least one constitutional leader still in the country, <laughs> even if he's hiding out, right? <sighs> what happens if the country becomes a haven for those who wish our country harm? Mm. oh i don't know i guess over time as we you know time tells all tales as they say so i wish i had answers i wish i had solutions but i guess like everyone else i have a lot of questions so please share this and let me know your thoughts um, be sure to check the episode notes for all the resources I mentioned as well as links to all of the Off The Beam podcast uh, social media uh profiles and platforms be sure to subscribe um on the podcast app of your choice so you don't miss an episode i'm gonna post a video uh or at least something soon uh, i've discovered uh this new podcast app new ish called good pods i absolutely love it i delete it um on my other podcast apps just because i really really enjoy good pods anything i can't find on good pods i do turn to spotify so those are my two podcast apps now and i'm really enjoying good pods it's um podcasting is supposed to be a communal experience supposed to be a conversation it's not supposed to be an isolated thing and good pods actually brings community to podcasting when you download and check it out you'll see exactly what i'm talking about um it's great i can talk to people about podcast episodes i've listened to i can actually see people who are listening to the exact same episode and chat with them i mean it's just really really cool I, I highly recommend it so check it out let me know what you think um i'm always you know if you're like oh this sucks let me know you know or w- what podcast app are you using maybe you know maybe i'll find a better one let me know let me know um yeah so thank you thank you for listening i wish this episode was uplifting and, and, and you know and just enlightening and all these different things but that's not really where this week this past week was at was it um You know, that's on top of all the things going on here in Chicago and so on and so forth. So it's been it's been a heavy week, Um, but I definitely wanted to uh, express my thoughts. So there you have it. Thank you for listening. Um, Be good. Do good. And I will catch you later. Peace.